0: Welcome, everybody, to Not-So-Famous Achievers. Weekly conversations with some of the world's most amazing but not-so-famous achievers on what they did and how they did it and what you can learn from their journey.
1: With your hosts,
0: Will Chris and Robert White. Hey, guys.
1: Well, welcome, everyone. And we've got an exciting guest today. Uh, Josh Elledge is kind of famous in a narrow kind of field. I'm
2: Uh, big in Japan, (laughs) as they say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so he violates kind of our rule in that regard. He's a little bit famous. And, Will, we're going to have to be careful today because Josh has been on like a thousand different podcasts and personal appearances. So he's more experienced with this than we are. Yes, but he's
3: never been on ours, Robert. That's true. That's right. This will be a new experience for him. And so we're going to have to up our game, though, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Josh, I, I know a bit about you. I spent a lot of time evaluating uh, marketing companies in general, as a general field. I guess and, and maybe you can be more specific about that than I've just been. But why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, <laughs> uh, I uh, I chose you out of a lot of... Uh, candidates, I guess would be a way to say it, and uh, impressed with what you're doing uh, uh, for me and for a lot of other people. And uh, so tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you got to be this uh, almost famous guy.
2: Almost always almost famous. (laughs) I uh, straight out of high school, I joined the United States Navy as a Navy journalist. And I got to learn from Adrian Cronauer, who was a uh, guest lecturer, and that moment changed my life. There's a couple of smiles. Uh, Some folks recognize that name. And so if you're familiar with the movie Good Morning Vietnam, he was portrayed by Robin Williams. And Adrian Cronauer, until that moment, journalism sounded like something fun to do. But in that moment, I realized just how important this role is, is that, you know, when you leverage platform, whether it's a microphone or a TV camera, or whatever it is, you have a sacred obligation with that audience to always be honest, to um, always advocate for them, for their needs, and you are their, um, you know, proxy in, in a conversation, um, you are their proxy in how and what you choose to speak about. And and of course, you know, the story he, you know, in the Vietnam war, you know, he ended up with a real crisis of conscience where he's like, "I, I can't continue to lie here. Um, it doesn't work for me. Well, you know, in his, you know, he was initially he was, um, you know, he was, he was the bad guy because he told the truth and, you know, didn't, uh, you know, didn't uh, tow the company line, but history vindicated him. It was the right choice. And today, I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. Uh, in that, I think that marketers, by and large, um, don't value the intelligence of their audiences. And I think that far too often, we come into an environment where we say, well, this is what I want. Here's my goal. I want to make X number of sales. I want to let you know, and and a lot of this is backed by my 15 plus years of studying and leading on consumer behavior okay whatever your intention is in the boardroom before you decided on the ad in the you know in the planning meeting before you decided to go out and you know do a bunch of selling on social media and that sort of thing whatever your intention is we all know it you're not fooling anybody today so you may as well just let down the false pretense. And you may as well just say, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Make it insanely easy for people to engage with you and they will. But yeah, I mean, it, so that was kind of the, it kind of took a little diversion there. Uh, so right. started two companies, each become seven figure companies, uh, Savings Angel. You know, we did close to $7 million in revenue with $0 in paid ads. All I did was serve audiences on radio. Uh, In my syndicated newspaper column of over, gosh, over 13 years now, um, syndicated TV, I've done about 800 TV segments uh, as a consumer guy. So I just teach people how to save money on anything in life. And so the more value you give, the more that audiences appreciate that and want to engage, give low value, not, not a whole lot's going to happen. Uh, you know, get on a platform, start selling your book. Yeah, good luck. Yes, a non-starter today. But my experience in the media led to me starting up my influence. Initially, our goal was to, you know, help our customers, our clients become, you know, become well-known in the media, um, you know, achieve a lot of sales. And we really focused in on the deliverables. Like, what do you get out of that? Like, how can you do a two-minute TV segment where you're not allowed to sell, but yet, make a lot of sales of your book or whatever that and that's really where we zoned in on. Um, And that led to us obsessing on this idea of sales processes and systems that work today. And I I believe the rules today are a lot different than what you might read in, um, you know, Tom Hopkins, or some, you know, old school sales manuals. Uh, The rules are far, far different. Um, If you start you know, doing a hard close on anybody—it's over before it's even begun. You—you you just there's no allowance for that at all today, and the consequences are pretty bad. Uh, if you give a bad guest experience to somebody, um, the world will know about it. You can't get away with that. So you may as well just be where consumers are and and work from their uh, position.
1: Well, uh, well, I think you now see why I invited Josh. You know, uh, you push his button, he's good for several minutes.
2: I'm going to make no. your job easier. <laughs> I got a little string on the back. You just pull, and oh, there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: Josh, tell me, tell me, when you say you've got to be where the customer is, yeah, how do you do that on a podcast where you are talking out? If you, as a guest on your podcast, for instance. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to be where the customer is?
2: Yeah, so if 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 you put your you know put yourself in the position, of, you this is mandatory, right? Mm-hmm. You have to put yourself in the position of the audience member, okay? Rather than and, and admittedly, I have a philosophy. Um, I don't know that mine is, mine is, mine is my philosophy is not the only way, but I prescribe to the go-giver model, uh, a la Bob Berg, who's done some really good work in this field. You lead with generosity. I happen to think the platform is the easiest way to leverage that generosity, platform being stages and podcasts and media and so forth is, you know, go use that and use that in both ways, right? And so if you can own the platform, well, that gives you a lot of leverage as well to connect with great people. Um, if I'm truly advocating for an audience, I want to know what is the greatest, what's the thing that's going to make me so happy uh, that I got from that? I'm a big fan of takeaway TV, take away, like action items. Give me something to do so that I can do it, get some value from it, and then, uh, or make it ridiculously easy for me to engage with you in a non-salesy way. And what we want to create today more than anything is proximity. Proximity is the name of the game today in marketing. How much time can you earn with an audience member? So if you can get them to come and spend 30 minutes with you watching your videos, guess what's going to happen to that relationship? It's going to go through the roof. I, I actually did a lot of research and, and presented on this topic. I studied, uh, of all things, family science in, in college because I wanted to be a love doctor on the radio. <laughs> and but one, one thing I learned, I wanted to get into this whole debate of quality versus quantity time, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like parenting. And what the data seemed to indicate is that Quality, te- quality time was really just an excuse from busy parents. Oh, I don't spend any time with my kids, but when I do, it's quality time, you know. And I give them, you know, ten minutes of quality time on on Sunday or something like that. And that's For really not where the <laughs> needle moves forward. If right. you want to deepen a relationship, there's something profound that happens through time together. Just It's it's that act of being with your loved one and your partner and spending an hour on the beach together and, you know, walking together in the woods. There's just something about that energy together. Uh, And again, in person is wonderful when you can get that in today's era. uh, The best you really could do is live video together. So that's really what we want to create live video together. And if you can't get that, then asynchronous video together would be fine. You know, that'll work too. So get people to watch your videos. We want people to see your facial expressions and feel your energy and see your energy and look in your background and see what you're, you know, you're, you're watching your ring and your facial tics and all that other stuff. That is all communication. And the more communication we can transmit in a small amount of time, the better multiply that times that length of time that proximity, and now that's where no like and trust comes from today
1: that's incredibly valuable. you know you've got a, a ton of content. we could do this for hours and hours i I know from my experience with you and our audience are people like us people that are are running a business or running a division, uh, people that are active and interested in growth interested in, in uh, personal growth in addition to their business growth and along that way uh one of the things we found valuable is to ask our guests have there been any bumps in the road and how did you handle them and i'm guessing that's a rhetorical question the first part of that uh i don't know an entrepreneur that hasn't had the bumps in the road always <laughs> so what have yours been and how did you handle it how did you how did you come back
2: yeah. I failed in business six times before I had my first seven-figure year company. Right. Um so in those six failures, some were somewhat graceful exits. A couple of them were doozies. Um, and uh, you know, really put my family and I in a tough spot. Uh and uh, you know, I've been through uh foreclosure and a bankruptcy and having to go live with my in-laws as a, you know, as a father of two. Well, it's humbling. But yet, I I kept at it. I kept on showing up kind of like, you know, Captain America, right? I could do this all day. I think part of it was that I had nowhere else to go. <laughs> like I had a degree in family science. What was I going to do with that? <laughs> uh, you know, so it was like, I, I really had no other options other than entrepreneurialism. And you know, I developed some skills in internet development, but that was really about it you know i was just you know i i had a mind for creating business and there's something to that uh i heard an analogy it's like you know when the car is parked it's it's much more difficult to turn the wheel than it is when you're moving so the the idea is that we always want to be moving we always want to be circulating we got to stay busy doing stuff and listen both companies both savings angel and up my influence i had i had no plans of starting those companies 6 months before they actually started it was really kind of an immediate opportunity that came about because i was constantly looking and active and so you know toward the um You know, when when Savings Angel started winding down um, just simply because there was lack of consumer interest in how we were teaching people how to save money at the grocery store, namely using coupons. We had a big explosion during the extreme couponing phase, but then consumers really just backed off from it. And listen, you and I, nobody's smarter than the market. And so we got to honor that. And I did. Right. And so but, you know, I would say in the last, you know, kind of year or two of that, I had already been working very actively in our local startup community mentoring serving on boards pro bono um pro bono workshops coaching consulting that's all free right just um uh, minority owned women owned um you know military veteran owned uh businesses and what happened is because of that experience that led to invitations and people giving me insight uh, saying, you know, you should be doing this, like, uh, you should really be helping people or, you know, hey, can I hire you? And, and I thought, well, oh, okay, I, you know, I was a little nervous about, you know, practicing PR without a license, but <laughs> no one ever gave me a ticket. So I did it.
1: <laughs> you know, that metaphor of the uh, car, and it's easier to turn the wheel when it's moving. My favorite entrepreneurial book is Just Start. You know, just yeah. get in motion. I recall that uh, years ago, living in Japan uh, with a, a a preteen son, uh, I started to notice that he wasn't uh, Japanese, obviously, even though he was fluent in Japanese, and he wasn't American. And I and I thought, wait, well, you know, maybe that's a problem for him, you know, in terms of identity, moving into the teen years. And i counseled with a friend in japan he said you find something that your son is interested in and then you support that well my son loved horses that led to the ranch in northern california and one horse and then three horses and then seven horses you know that's another story but the the guy next door the reason i kind of located in that area he had 400 cows because he and he still is he's a master's champion in something called cutting which is like being on a being on a horse, but also being like on a rocket ship. It's an amazing sport. So you have to have cows uh, to practice on. And uh, uh, one of the things I learned, I I was just shocked that I learned this from cows. Is you know you have every once in a while you have to cut one cow out of the herd. Well, how do you do that? They're out scattered all over the pasture, right? How do you get one of them? Well, the way you do it is movement. You start cows moving and when they move they get a little nervous And when they get nervous they they gather together in marketing i think we would call that engagement right <laughs> we get them to gather together and then and then you uh, you can get them moving in a certain direction and i i i always, always thought when i when i've worked with the staff or with my clients that if i can get them to come together and then moving my job just gets a whole lot easier really quickly, yeah, and but that metaphor of the car and turning the wheel, I love that. I'm going to steal that, Josh mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
2: I remember studying, I think it started with a Reader's Digest article that I came across, and and then I really kind of passionately pursued this, and that's the the traits of lucky people. And what I know about people who just seem so doggone lucky is personality-wise, they're open to ideas. They love learning from other people. They have an insatiable curiosity about um, gaining value from being in the presence of other people. And because of that and that interest, in, in, you know, all of these different experiences and backgrounds and ways of thinking and looking at things, it broadens their minds that they're open to new opportunities and looking at things in new and interesting ways. But then, of course, you know, even if you're an introvert, you know, just taking an interest in someone and, you know, finding out, you know, who they are and what they do and, you know, is there you know, always saying, well, I'm wondering if I can help this person. I'm wondering if there's any value I can bring them. It's that sort of an attitude just brings about all sorts of opportunities. Most successful business leaders I know, and I follow this model, are a collaborate at all costs kind of person. I think competition is, honestly, it's for losers. Uh, I, I very much love the idea of, you know, how can we do something together? And it kind of creates this one plus one equals 11 kind of thing rather than, you know, one plus, well, you know, you're my competition. So there is no one plus one. I just, it's ridiculous. The the audience is, the world is way too big, in my opinion, to be, to worry too much about competition today, especially if you're at the SMB level. Yeah, it's, you know, there's an infinite number of customers out there.
1: Well, one of the basis of uh, my relationship with Will Christ, this is one of the most loving human beings that I know. And he he is wired to look for collaboration. He's wired to look for, uh, how can I support you? And I've learned a lot from, from Will, and not just in doing these podcasts, but in other interactions that we've had. I really get that commitment that you have, obviously, just really to service, kind of an older term that needs to be brought back, I think, if anything, <laughs> just to serve. Will has a zillion examples of that. This must be a uh, bring joy to your heart, Mr. Will.
3: Sure, absolutely. I, I, Josh, I want to know how, what do you see as the, the it's not techniques. It, it's got to do with a presence. But what kind of presence moves somebody from the, oh, well, they're just trying to sell me something, even when you're not, I mean, that's the predisposition. Oh, they're yeah, just going to sell me. Absolutely.
2: Something. Yeah, absolutely. That's where consumers' brains are. We assume, and, and here's, let's talk about this for a second, what's going on. How, so if we think about the world that we live in today, and we think about what's been foisted upon us over the past 20 years, is that we are now a, a generation, all of us, Uh, that is incessantly advertised and marketed to. What do you imagine is going to happen to a population that has been, you know, bombarded with that much advertising? It is going to leave a lasting mark. And so because of that, this experiment, right? Uh, And social media is part of it. But honestly, it's it's mostly marketers have ruined it. Marketers were given unfettered access to consumers. And what they did is they it's like they created a super, you know, hyper resistant, you know, (laughs) um, uh, population now, is because now everywhere we go, it started remember the Furor over banner ads, and you know, then you know, ad blockers came out, and it's like, yes, you know, we're gonna block all those ads, and and consumers became more empowered to you know, kind of control these messages. But still, we see it, and you know, cold emails and people sliding into our DMs and cold email and spam, and you know, it's just like it's not, it's a non-starter. You know, he's done some really good work on this. Uh, Mark Schaefer wrote a book called Marketing Rebellion. So he shares what a lot of the um, you know top Fortune 500 companies know, and so if you look at effective ads today, they're not like the ads of old. You know, ads of old would you know really lean into their features and benefits kind of stuff. Today, it's all about emotional connection, humor, 30 seconds. I'm not going to be able to tell you a whole lot that's going to be able to convince you to buy my product, but at least I can get you to like me. (laughs) And so that's where most, you know, big advertising plays are in the let's build the likability of our brand. And, um, you know, association that's been going on for a while. But, but again, because marketers have overfished the waters, what is a good business owner today to do? And what's the CEO, someone's responsible for growth, someone's responsible for sales, what are they to do? Well, my recommendation is that again, you need to make it insanely easy for people to get to know you and your brand, right? Get to know you by making it easy for them to build a relationship with you. You know, again, getting back to uh, Bob Berg, uh, Go-Givers Sell More, by the way, is a book I would highly recommend that's a little bit more specialized to my conversation today. I happen to believe that today you need three elements. Number one is authority. And the reason why is that consumers, and everybody's a consumer, I don't care who you sell to, right? If they're a decision maker uh, and you're selling B2B, they're still going to check you out. This is what consumers do. We do our due diligence. And I think that's great. So someone hearing me right now is going to be like, okay, okay. Uh, they either like me or they don't. That's okay. <laughs> and if they do, if they, if they, if they're like, okay, this guy he talks a lot. He's <laughs> he talks. <laughs> sometimes he talks a little fast uh, for <laughs> me, uh, but he seems to think he knows what he's talking about. I'll go check him out. And so, what are they going to do? Well, next step in the relationship is you're probably going to Google me. Aside from the Josh Elledge who was on one episode of The Bachelorette, that was not me. I've been married for 26 years. (laughs) (laughs) You'll find a lot about me, and that's very intentional. My LinkedIn profile will probably show up on page one of your Google search result. I know that, and I know that if you want to look at my background, you'll probably see that and go, okay, cool. Let's see what this guy's about. Because I know that, I've spent a lot of time on my LinkedIn profile. Another page is probably going to come up is my media kit. Me controlling the background on me and the messaging about me is pretty important because I know people look for it. So you'll probably find my press kit, right? Where I talk about, here's who I am. Here's what, here's my bio. Here's all my photos. Here's, you know, here's what I'm known for. Here are my successes. Here's a bunch of examples of me in the media. Um, And I'd share that because I want to provide the resource. If you want to learn about me, I'm going to make it really easy for you to learn about me. So that's authority, right? And there's a lot of other authority indicators that we could go into. I think but those are just some very simple ones. Social proof is another one do you make it easy for people to understand, you know, who your audience is? And, and well, you know, if you have a number of people, do you make it easy for them to know, you know, what kind of numbers those are? I, you know, again, I, I do. We have about 130,000 in our social media audience and I work really, really hard to have a great relationship with them where I don't really sell to my social media audience, nor my email list, nor any other audience. I just, I'm there to be the good guy and, and, trust that audiences are smart enough. They know how to, I don't need to beat them over the head with my offer. They'll figure it out. They'll learn what I do. And when they do, they won't feel as if they are in an environment where I'm just going to sell at them. I'm not, you know, I'm going to let them know, here's the problem I fix. I'm very good at one very specific thing, right? And that's, you know, filling sales schedules for high-level consultants, coaches, B2B service providers, and agencies right? I can do that all day long. And if that's what you need help with, you, you'll find out how to work with me on that regard. It, if you want something else, I'm not your guy. <laughs> Authority is number one, generosity is number two, and platform is number three, which and I've kind of referred to generosity and platform already.
1: Look, it's time for us to take a break, give a shout out to Paul. And uh, when we come back, let's find out how people can connect with you and how, uh, uh, how we can learn more from you.
2: Lots some free gifts.
1: Oh, free gifts are always good. Paul, take it away.
0: Well, we're gonna give you one quick thought here that uh, plays into what we've been talking about here today. Our two hosts have lived extraordinary lives and been extraordinary entrepreneurs, and Robert White, certainly one of them. He mentors extraordinary entrepreneurs and executives just like you. People who want better results from their leadership performance. He shows them how to turn those results into increased personal joy and satisfaction as well. Robert founded and led two large training industry success stories. He's been there and done that. And his experience will help you find and achieve that extraordinary success you seek in your life. So why wait? Reach out and see what Robert can do for you today. Just email him at robert at extraordinarypeople.com. Robert at extraordinarypeople.com. And start living the extraordinary life you earned. Does your company have a clear vision? Do you have the right people in the right seats? Are you consistently getting the results you want and enjoying the journey? If not, consider EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. EOS is a set of simple concepts and practical tools used by more than 100,000 companies around the world to clarify, simplify, and achieve their vision. Schedule your free 90-minute meeting with an EOS implementer at EOSWorldwide.com today. That's EOSWorldwide.com and now back to our show
3: well Will, you've been I you, yeah i thought you might all right so josh back in aol days was that before your time <laughs>
2: before my time i'm 50 all right, all right. Well, okay
3: all right so back in the aol days one of the big things they had was you're going to be an evangelist remember that yeah we had these people who are evangelists and, and Kawasaki
2: from, for, uh, for Apple.
3: Well, all right. So yeah. that becomes, uh, you know, where that comes from is the evangelists from the church go out and try to convert people, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it became. It's not just bringing the good news, but it became actually trying to convert somebody. And, and so one of the people I had on my podcast was a fellow who had a group called Hearts of Lebanon. And he talked about how, in Lebanon, he was helping folks and how he, you know, there were people who converted to become Christians. So when I got him on, at first, I was a little little concerned because I have some very good friends who are Muslim and I've done a lot of work in the Muslim world. And and I didn't want to just hear somebody talking about how many, uh, you know, uh, notches in their gun they had from converting Muslims. But here's what he told me. He said, You know, we stand on the border of Syria and Lebanon, and people come across as refugees and they have all sorts of needs. And we give them whatever they need. They need a bed. We got a bed. They need a tent. We got a tent. They need food. They need all of these things we supply for them. They tend to spend a year to two years with us, and we just help them. And he said, You know, sometimes there are people. As Maybe as they begin to leave or uh, go on to other things, he says, they'll come up and they'll say, hey, Pat, let me ask you a question. What is it that you want from us? And Pat says, I, I don't want anything from you. He says, no, 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 that's not true. You're an American. We know, we know that you don't do anything unless you want something from us. So mm-hmm. what is it that you want? And he said, really, all we want to do is help people who, like you, are in need. And he said, sometimes that's all they need to know and they move on. But he said, sometimes people ask the next question, which is, well, why do you do that? And he said, that's the first time that we can say we do that because we follow Jesus. And he said that's the first time that Jesus comes up in the whole length of time that they're there. And he said sometimes they say, "Oh, I've never heard of Jesus before," or "I've never heard of Jesus associated with the kind of things that you're doing." He said that begins a great conversation. Now, it sounds to me like that's what you're talking about that not only has marketers marketers uh spoiled the the uh the the pond but a lot of evangelists have spoiled the pond as well
2: yeah i look i i'm gonna resonate with that you know i uh you know, my own faith journey, um, has been one of kind of becoming more of an independent player and connecting directly to source kind of thing. And, and kind of, and, and sadly, I'm not alone. I'd say sadly, but you know, that's just the, the, you know, kind of where we are just and, and so, I mean, I love the approach of, you know, let's just, you know, let's go back to kind of that root message there and, uh, Jesus was a radical inclusionist. I'm no expert on this, I should point out. As it pertains to my own personal faith journey, uh, for 23 years, I was a member of a very high demand uh, religion and um, finally got to a point where it was a crisis of conscience. And uh, I I discovered for me, this is just for me, um, that, that I wanted, I didn't need, I didn't want that particular intermediary. I wanted, yeah, I, 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 to me, I wanted to connect directly and that boy, that's going to ruffle some feathers. And I'm sorry if I do, uh, I'm just kind of my own personal experience here, but I resonate with that, that, that authentic Jesus, connection.
3: Jesus never ruffled any feathers. So. No, no. of course. no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: but isn't, isn't it very interesting that in a sense, business is a religion.
2: Oh, certainly, got,
3: certainly, got back, you know, all got tied together with Calvin back there about if you're successful in business, that's because you're successful with your relationship with God. But yeah. business is kind of a religion. And and this whole notion of we got to grow, got to grow, got to grow, got to get more stuff. And how do we do that most effectively and efficiently, which opens up the whole door to pay me a bunch of money and I'll get you a bunch of leads. You just sit back, don't worry your pretty head about it. And it never happens. But the result of that is an enormous amount of propaganda or cards or emails or whatever goes out to people who really didn't care about it. And so in a real sense, you're kind of a marketing heretic, right?
2: You know, sadly, you know, to someone who's had experience as well, like what you've described, they've Dumped a bunch of money into a platform or a system or into a guru, and they've had bad results as a result or no results, right? I want to let you know, like it's not your fault. Like it's we've been there, done that. You know, I think we've all made bad investments in business, and that's always going to be the way that it is. And so again, I think that the solution is is just to, again, with more time together, you know, with those experts. I think there's a lot that can be open source. My philosophy on what I teach and talk about is I give it a wall, I give it all away for free. I really do. I mean, there's nothing that that I do that I don't openly tell you the secrets about how I do exactly what I do. I am totally okay with that. And the reason why is because if you hear my advice, and you go, great, I'm going to jump on that, because I don't have budget to pay this guy, Cool. Yeah. You were never going to work with me to begin with. I'm glad that I could have made a positive impact in your life. If, however, you hear my good advice, you're like, that sounds great, but that sounds like a lot of work. I'm just going to hire this guy. Then but, great. <laughs> that's but, that's but, win-win. But here, but here's, here is
3: what I, I sense that you are saying, and it's much like the fellow who runs Hearts of Lebanon. It's not, oh, let me tell you why I'm here because I'm a great guy. It's I'm here because of a relationship. Yeah. And if you want to, I can put you in touch with that relationship. And what I hear you saying is, look, it's not because I'm a great guy, have a great system. I have a great bunch of techniques. It's because I can put you in touch. I can teach yes. you how to get in touch with the people who really care. The The part that really cares is a relationship.
2: Absolutely. And yeah, That's what we lost. Yeah, human connection is one of our core values. And in fact, you know, a lot of what we do, you know, when you have core values and you have a mission purpose statement, right, it makes decisions in business so much easier. Mm-hmm. So for us, like, for example, when we are charged with facilitating high level introductions, a lot of times we look at what traditional marketers are doing, and we do the exact opposite. When mm-hmm. they're trying to do, uh, you know, just make outreach more and more, fill in the blanks, AI, you know, one to many, no personalization whatsoever. We do the complete opposite and we get incredibly personal and incredibly, you know, what's in it for the other person. And look, just trust that where we plant our seeds, where we will reap harvest, but we don't know where we'll reap that harvest. But you just have to trust in the process that it will, and it does, right? So, twelve hundred interviews on my podcast, The Thoughtful Entrepreneur, has led to hundreds of amazing clients that I now get to work with, and even more partners that I get to work with. But you know, it's been a lot of investment in the other person first. If I want to build a relationship with them, I get to earn that relationship.
3: <laughs> yes. If they need a bed, give them a bed. If they need a tent, <laughs> give them a tent, right? <laughs> it's that whole investment in what the other person needs before we talk about what we want. Yeah. Well, this is a good
1: time to uh, do the transition to wrapping, wrapping up this wonderful session. Josh, what, uh, what do you want to Say do whatever to uh, wrap things up for us today.
2: Yeah, buy my stuff. No, (laughs) (laughs) I have nothing for sale. Uh, So no, there there is a couple of things that might be a great you know kind of next step. So number one would be that I am always looking for great high level guests for my podcast, we have a daily podcast. So I'm always on the lookout for, you know, business leaders, particularly those in the B2B world, consultants, coaches, agency owners, Um, as long as you're doing six figures or more, would love to feature you on the thoughtful entrepreneurs. I just I don't want to let you know if man, if you're in that category, please come on over. I'd love to celebrate you in front of my audience of, you know, over 130,000 people. And I'd I'd be honored to do that. Um, If you're not quite at that level, or let's say you've been listening to what I've been talking about and you kind of resonate with that within, you know, depending on when you're listening to this conversation. Um, but in 2022, by January 1st, um, we will have a free masterclass. I'm just in the final stages of the production on that right now. Um, but I'm going to have a four part series where I'm going to do a really deep dive into a lot of very tactical things that you can be doing that are in alignment with the philosoph- philosophies that I've been sharing on this conversation and that's free if you never buy anything or what totally cool I'm I'm just here to serve
1: <laughs> Josh it's been a real delight i'm so happy that you invested uh some time with us and with our listeners uh i i see you as a you know that classic line the trusted advisor and uh, uh somebody that whether I agree with all the time or not, I want to really listen closely to what you're up to. So thank you for being with us today. Will, anything to wrap
3: things up today? Now, Josh, uh, I'm getting ready to push the button on your website to send to you to invite me to your podcast. So you could look Yay, forward to it. Hey, love to have you. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. All Good right. to meet you.
1: Thank you. And uh, everyone, have an extraordinary day and week.
0: There you have it. Another great example of why you get to tune in. Over here, some conversations with maybe some not-so-famous but real achievers like our guest today. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beal Applied Innovation Center.